Welcome to episode 109 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, if we could give a pack full of brightly wrapped gifts to each of our listeners, what would we give? Then on the Summit Gear Review, Columbia has cracked the code on rain gear. Next, today's Backpack Hack of the Week is a unique way to find deals on ultralight backpacking gear. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom to denumb your brain. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. So Josh, you reminded me before the show that we're just a couple days away from our two-year anniversary of the first 40 miles, which kind of made me think about um, kind of the wild, unruly nature of toddlers that, you know, the season that a lot of people call the terrible twos or... Maybe if they have a really a good child, it's the terrific twos. Oh, the terrific twos. I've never heard that one. <laughs> but usually, you know, toddlerhood is full of exploration and a lot of boundary pushing. and uh, Yeah, breaking the rules. Yeah, I just kind of wonder what the second year, we're going into our third year. Yeah, third year. Yeah, what this season is going to be like of the first 40 miles. I don't know. Is that kind of a warning to no, our no, listeners? No, no. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get too crazy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. I really don't know what this coming year is going to bring. Two years. That's pretty cool. Uh, two years on December 16th. That's when we launched the first five episodes yeah. of the podcast. And uh, boy, it's just been such a fun experience. It has been really great. So we're just a couple of weeks away from Christmas. And so I kind of wanted to talk to you, Josh, about your wish list. Do you have anything that you've kind of been hoping for? What's on your backpacking wish list? For backpacking, you know, there's there's all the stuff we've already got. Like we've got a dozen packs and half a dozen sleeping bags and probably about five tents and uh, 10 forms of water treatment and eight or nine stoves. Got all that. I think the one thing that I still sort of worry about every time I prepare for a trip is, will I be warm enough? That's my top worry. And so I guess uh, if there were to be anything on my backpacking wish list, it would have something to do with warmth. Hmm. Um, like I, I have a Patagonia Nano Puff, synthetic puffy, and it's nice. But sometimes I wonder if for my body type, maybe I need about the equivalent of two of those to really beef up the warmth. I, I just worry every time I go out, am I going to be warm enough or am I going to just be chilled the whole time? Yeah. And the nano puff that you got doesn't have a hood on it. Would that help? It might, but I don't know if I want a hood because then it's attached to the jacket. I'd, but maybe a warmer hat. My wool hat is not real thick. It's lightweight and compact. That's nice. But Sometimes I wonder if the extra bulk of, of bulkier, warmer clothing would really just totally be worth it. Yeah, and if, if not daytime clothing, then at least 
a warmer sleeping bag or a sleeping bag liner. I don't know. That might be something worth trying. Just kind of something to beef up your warmth at night. Because during the day, you're moving. You may not need, you know, a thick layer on you or layers. But at nighttime, when you're not moving, that's when you kind of need that extra warmth. I always get worried when I start seeing the sun going down. Oh, yeah. And I know I'm going to have several hours between sunset and when I go to bed. Yeah, on the shoulder season trips. Yeah. Right. And then in the morning. Yeah. That I have to actually get out of the tent or <laughs> out of the hammock and oh, I won't even be able to prepare my breakfast because I'll be shivering so hard. You know, that's what I worry about. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing to have on your wish list. Well, what's on your wish list? Well, you know that I love playing the ukulele, and it's just a really fun instrument to bring on the trail, but I found another instrument that looks like so much fun. It's called a strumstick, and it has three strings, and it's tuned G, D, G, so it's like ba, 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 the Superman notes. And the whole idea behind the strumstick is that you cannot make it sound bad. You just play the bottom note and you kind of strum it or you can pick it or however you want to do it. And it just sounds good. And it sounds kind of folksy and Appalachian. And and I think it's somehow related to the dulcimer. It's a fairly new instrument. It was created by Bob McNally. And it's really lightweight. I've never tried one, but this is on my wish list. It's something that looks like it would be really fun to take on the trail. Cool. And for backpackers, uh, you know, the minimalism here, going from uh, a guitar usually has six <laughs> strings, uh -huh. right, to a ukulele, which has four. And now we're going to take even one more string off yep. <laughs> down to three. <laughs> and is it really like a stick in terms of its shape rather than having a, a resonating chamber like a ukulele or a guitar? It looks like it has a really small resonating chamber, like it's triangular and... Yeah, it looks a lot smaller than a ukulele, like the the actual resonating part, you know, the box yeah. part. And then the stick, it looks like it's longer than a ukulele, and it's diatonic, so you're playing regular notes on the scale instead of, a ukulele is chromatic, so it's harder to pick out a familiar melody on a ukulele. Hmm, okay. Well, the reason I asked is I was wondering if it's the kind of instrument that you could essentially strap onto the... Uh, the ice axe loops? <laughs> yes, on the outside of your pack. I don't know. I don't have one. <laughs> but I think that would be really fun to try, you know, like see if you could strap it on and just hike down the trail. Yeah. Well, that's our wish list. But we have another wish list. And this is the top five things that we wish we could give each of our first 40 milers. We think about you guys a lot and we think about what you need, what you're experiencing on the trail and how we can help you have a better experience on the trail. So the number one thing we wish that we could give each of you is time together on the trail. We love hearing your stories, and we'd love to meet you in person and get to know each one of you. And we promise we'd let you guys do all the talking. We have all these listeners that, you know, we don't know you guys, but you guys feel like you know us really well. And so we want to kind of 
I don't know, turn the tables. That would be really fun. We would love to be able to get to know you guys. But there are ways for us to get to know each other more, especially for us to get to know you, the listeners. Um, since the beginning of the podcast, we've had our Facebook page and Twitter account. Both of those can be found at The First 40 Miles on Facebook or Twitter. And those have been just so fun for us as we interact with you. And, and we love it when First 40 Milers share, you know, a picture from a trip they took or their experience with a piece of gear or with a topic that we talked about on the show. And we really get to know you that way, which is really cool. And then, as you know, just a few weeks ago, we started up the story page on our website, thefirst40miles.com slash story. And that's where you can hit the record button and leave us a little audio postcard about a backpacking experience that you've had. Now, we know right now it's winter times. It's kind of the off season. And maybe people aren't getting out as much as in the summer. But we've received several of these audio postcards in the few weeks that we've had that page up. And they've been so fun to listen to. And, and really, it just helps us to really get a glimpse into you, the people who listen to the podcast, to get a sense of what really... Like what really strikes you when you go out on a backpacking trip or a, or even a day hike? What's the stuff that just really connects with you? And, and it's just so inspiring to us to hear those stories. And we'll be sharing those stories on future episodes because we know that all of our listeners want to hear about other people's trips and the things that happen on those trips. And the number two thing we wish we could give each of our first 40 milers is a zero degree down quilt. And if I had to be really specific, maybe I would say like 800 fill power or 900 fill power, if that even exists. That's, <laughs> I don't I think, think that's 900 pushing, exists. <laughs> that's pushing the extreme of down. Just the thought of any of our listeners being cold is sad. I want you guys to be warm and toasty and that you feel like, wow, I've accomplished something really big today. And here is my reward. Here is where I just get to be in this little cocoon and rest for the night and just have a really peaceful, perfect night's sleep. The number three thing we wish that we could give our first 40 milers is some homemade beef jerky. I just made a batch last week. I did uh, a third of it regular style. I did a third with uh, a chili lime combo. And I did a third with habanero pepper mixed in. Maybe we can't give you the homemade beef jerky, but we can give you a recipe. In fact, we shared a microwave beef jerky recipe. It only takes like five minutes. Well, okay, five minutes marinating plus about five minutes cooking. And we shared that back in episode 40. That was kind of a fun episode. That was our, our raw, unedited episode <laughs> where we, we just hit record and recorded the episode and didn't do any editing afterwards. Um, but episode 40 is where we shared the microwave beef jerky recipe. But it's also in our cookbook, Trail Fuel, which just came out a couple weeks ago. So if you want to pick up the cookbook, go to thefirst40miles.com slash book. Now, for those of our listeners who are vegan, then maybe we would send you some smokinut, mm. which is the recipe we shared on episode 59. Yeah, I really like smokinut. Well, I like both, but I mean, 
smoky nut is crispy, sweet, crunchy. It's just, it's got that really bacony flavor. It's so good. The number four thing that we wish we could give to each of our first 40 milers is a scale. Now we have a couple scales that we use. In fact, before our first backpacking trip, we didn't even have a scale to weigh our packs. So we did the most awkward thing possible. And <laughs> we asked our neighbor if we could borrow his bathroom scale, which I wouldn't recommend doing that. I think it just kind of made him made everyone feel weird. But a scale, um, a special pack scale that you can use for just weighing your pack is about $15 at your local big box store. But you can also just use a traditional bathroom scale, which most people have in their bathroom. Most normal Except people. us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then if you want a little more precision, like especially if you want to weigh some of your gear or your food, then we would give you a digital kitchen scale. This is great for weighing those little things before they go into your pack, just so you can kind of keep track of the ounces and the pounds will take care of themselves. And you can even use a digital kitchen scale when you get back from your trip to weigh your leftover food. And that really helps kind of fine tune how much food you should be bringing out. So you can be like, oh, I brought two pounds per day, but I came home with an extra three fourths of a pound per day. So I really can kind of cut back my food. And, you know, these are the conditions of this trip and kind of, you know, figure out how much you actually need for your trips. And the number five thing that we wish that we could give first 40 milers is all weather protection. Inclement weather is just one of those things, you know, reality is it keeps people from getting out on the trail. There are some amazing experiences you can have when the weather is, let me say, different than just the sunny, warm and dry climate. And so it's amazing to get out there when it's dark or rainy or snowy or wet and damp. But let's face it, it's hard to get out there in those conditions. It's just a lot more work. And so if we had a way of just sending you some package that would just protect you from all those elements and make it possible for you to get out no matter what the weather, we'd do that. So we're not Oprah. We can't send out all this stuff to you guys. But we really wanted to let you know that we're thinking of you. We want you to have a great experience on the trail. And these are just a few of the things that if we could stuff them all in a big stocking and mail them to you... This is what we would send to you. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the Columbia OutDry Extreme Eco Jacket. Well, so this is one of those names where they keep attaching another label onto the end. So they've had OutDry as a line of jackets, right, that are rain jackets. Then they introduced the OutDry Extreme, and we'll talk about what that means. But the latest one, they've attached Eco on the end as well. Yeah, I always wonder when I see the word extreme on things at the store, like, are those Cheetos really extreme? Or did they just bump up the food coloring? Or is that spray cleaner really extreme? Or did they just put like glittery packaging on it? Um, well, extreme in this case with the Columbia OutDry Extreme Eco Jacket is not a hollow exaggeration. The Columbia Extreme series or label on their jackets 
is a mindset that Columbia used when they were rethinking and redesigning rain gear. So when they were designing this jacket, they asked, how can we rework rain gear to make it everything that we want it to be? And, and this is the big change on this jacket, and have it be the most responsible choice for eco-conscious backpackers or outdoorists. So let's talk about the structure of this jacket. Their approach to this waterproof layering that goes into most jackets is really different. Well, the standard rain jacket has something called a durable water repellent treatment, or DWR. That's a really common thing. This DWR allows the jacket or the rain gear to be completely breathable, but the fabric repels water up to a certain point. And and usually the DWR lets in some or it fails or it wets out or allows the fabric to wet out. And then another kind of, uh, I guess, unfortunate thing about DWRs is that DWRs have PFCs. And the unfortunate thing about PFCs is they don't really break down in the environment. And not only that, but they can bioaccumulate in animals and humans. So when your DWR washes off your jacket in that rainstorm that you're hiking through, you know, it just a little bit at a time washes off. It ends up in the water source. And then anyone who drinks that water source ends up accumulating these PFCs. And, you know, it's such a small amount, but over time, because these don't really break down in the environment that quickly, it can really have a compounded effect because everyone who's going out is wearing these jackets with DWRs. It's on, I mean, it's not just on our rain gear, it's on our tents, it's on our tarps, it's on, it could be on your hammock. I mean, anything that you apply a DWR to or that a company has applied a DWR to is going to release these PFCs into the environment. So the first change that Columbia made with the uh, OutDry Extreme uh, before adding the Eco uh, was to eliminate that catch there where they had to have, you know, this outer layer that was a fabric, a a water-loving fabric, so they had to apply DWR finish to it. So in the OutDry Extreme line, they came up with an outer fabric that was water repellent using recycled polyester, uh, basically water bottles. So now they had the jacket down to these two layers, really. They had an outer layer that was both water repellent and breathable, and then the inner layer that gives you that comfort against your skin, uh, that, that um, kind of lining layer that uh, rain jackets have as well. But they had eliminated one layer in the process and importantly had eliminated a layer that required all this DWR treatment, which brought a lot of PFCs along. And that wasn't that great. I mean, DWRs, we we spend a lot of time out in the rain and anything that's treated with a DWR ends up wetting out and you just feel... You feel wet and you feel disappointed. You're like, oh, my gear let me down. And that's kind of, that's frustrating. So the feel of this jacket is really unique. If you give it a feel, it's almost like, like a rubberized satin with a matte finish. I really don't know how else to describe it, but it's slightly crinkly, but kind of that deep crinkle. Here, let me give it a, give it a crinkle here. 
And it feels like something that would be completely non-breathable, but it is breathable. Another unique thing about this jacket is that it's white. And it's white because they chose not to dye this jacket. When they eliminated the fabric dyeing process from this jacket, they saved 13 and a half gallons of water per jacket. And not only did they save water, but it reduces the energy that's used in the dyeing process and the chemicals that are used in the dyeing process. And so, you know, all of these things might seem like really small, insignificant things, but when you add them up over hundreds and thousands of products, the impact is huge. And not only is the impact huge just for this little jacket here, but when that idea starts to reach across to other products and then affect other brands, you can see how the impact just kind of multiplies. And even if you're not an eco nut, you know, I say that lovingly, I think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of times we think of our products being manufactured way far away from where we recreate and that the things that we buy have no effect on the environment that we like to recreate in. But this is kind of a merging of the two, you know, that not only is this a responsible product in the manufacturing side of things, but it's also a responsible product that will preserve the places that you recreate in. As far as utility goes, this jacket performs. It's waterproof, it's breathable, and it does not wet out. This jacket has two zippered pockets that are generous and they provide some ventilation as well. The bottom of the jacket can be cinched tight and the hood can be adjusted with a Velcro strap so you can have even broader visibility. Velcro is in the back, kind of along the back of your head. So you can kind of pull that Velcro tight and it'll bring the visor of the hood back a little bit. And then one of the cool features of the hood is that it cinches down with these invisible cinch cords that are embedded in the hood. I like that. Took a while to find the little the little cords to pull, but it was it was really cool. They're they're actually like inside the fabric. As far as mass goes, the Columbia Outdry Extreme Eco Jacket weighs around eleven and a half ounces. Which means this is not a super ultralight jacket. This is the jacket that you wear when it's going to be always raining the entire trip. Pack the ultralight jacket for the stuff where you know you might have to endure a half hour rainstorm and then it's done. But when you know you're going to be in rain, boy, this 11 and a half ounces is totally worth it. For comparison, I have a Columbia Watertight 2 jacket, which is at the low end of rain jackets. It's a $60 rain jacket. It wets out uh, after about a half hour, I think, and it's 13 and a half ounces. I also have a $300 Montane Minimus 777 jacket that we'll be reviewing in a few months. It's only five ounces, so it's half the weight of this Columbia Outdry Extreme Eco. It performs much better than my Columbia Watertight 2. So, you know, for an ultra light jacket, I love that Montane. But if I'm going to be out in the rain nonstop, then really, the Columbia Outdry Extreme Eco is the one to use. For maintenance, you'll just want to spot clean it and, of course, dry it completely before storing. 
As we mentioned, the jacket is white, so if you spend time in the outdoors, it may develop kind of a travel log of the forest that you've tramped and the moss that you've brushed up against and all the dirt that you've seen. But most of it can just be brushed off or wiped clean. For investment, it's $200. And for trial, I wore this jacket on our Mountain Jefferson trip, which was the wettest trip of the entire year. It was a backpacking trip where for the first day, it was mostly dry. And then toward the end of the day, it started raining and it didn't stop raining. And we all took off and it didn't stop raining for several days. So what I loved about this jacket was that it did not wet out. In fact, I wore it the entire hike back where I was carrying our son's, um, his pack (laughs) that he overpacked. So I wasn't just backpacking with my own gear. I had extra gear, which meant extra exertion, perspiration, plus it was raining and I didn't wet out. I didn't wet out inside. I didn't wet out from the outside. It was incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. It was truly waterproof. Nothing got in. Yeah. And at the same time, it was remarkably breathable. Yeah. I mean, my hiking shoes wetted out. My pack was soaked. My wool pants, they were wet. I mean, they were warm. You know how wool is, warm and wet. And everything underneath the Columbia Outdry Extreme Eco Jacket was 100% dry. This is a huge victory for people who want that solid rain protection. They want to know that they will be dry and that everything underneath their rain jacket is going to stay dry. It's like rain insurance. You have a few pieces of gear that I'm envious of, and this is one of them (laughs) because, I mean, we live in the Pacific Northwest. It's going to rain. Well, like you said at the beginning of the review, you know, you go out and your rain gear wets out after like a half hour or an hour, and you just feel so let down by this rain gear that had a label on it that said that it was waterproof, breathable. And you think it wasn't waterproof. And then once it wets out, it's really not breathable either. And so this one, it's just so cool that you finally found a piece of rain gear that is truly waterproof, nothing got in, and at the same time was just so breathable. Now I'm gonna add one more letter to the end of our Summit Gear Review today. Uh, structure, utility, mass maintenance, investment, trial, availability. So I was able to test out this jacket before it was available to everyone, which was a really unique opportunity. Usually this doesn't happen. So this is really special. Yeah. So it's not often that we record a gear review before a product has actually released to the public. So what we'll do is we'll keep the show notes for this episode updated. We'll have a link to the Columbia website, to the the page about their OutDry Extreme Eco jacket, and uh, we'll watch that. Uh, And on the day that this podcast releases, we'll see, you know, if we're finding it somewhere, we'll let you all know. For today's backpack hack of the week, Mass Drop. Mass Drop is a group buying website, and you get to pick what group you want to be a part of. So they have an ultralight backpacking group, a men's fashion group, a quilting group. Like there's, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 different groups, and I'm sure it's growing every day. But you join one of these groups, and you can get deals that are only activated if a certain number of people agree to grab that deal. 
So the group that's most relevant to backpackers would be the ultralight backpacking group, which is a great way to get deals on things that would normally be cost prohibitive. You know, the ultralight stuff tends to be a lot more expensive than just traditional backpacking stuff. The materials are more expensive. They take care to really shave ounces, shave grams when they can. One of the cool things about Mass Drop is that there's kind of a community that's associated with your group. So if you were part of the ultralight backpacking group and you had this really great idea or a tweak for a product, then you could post it on the forum or you could maybe even contact the company and say, hey, I really would love to see this product, but with this little modification to it. And then they, the company, would post this idea or this product on to mass drop. And then if enough other people were interested in that product, they could make a special run of this really unique product. So I love this idea because not only does it cut the price of things that are a little more expensive, but it allows you to be, I guess, an outdoor innovator without having to start up your own company or without having to go through, you know, how how hot does titanium have to be in order to bend? You know, go through all those things. You can submit your idea and see if it sticks. And we'll have the link to Mass Drop in the show notes. And today's episode is thefirst40miles.com slash 109. And we'll leave you today with some trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Hamlin Garland. He said, I remember a hundred lovely lakes and recall the fragrant breath of pine and fir and cedar and poplar trees. The trail has strung upon it as upon a thread of silk, opalescent dawns and saffron sunsets. It has given me blessed release from care and worry and the troubled thinking of our modern day. It has been a return to the primitive and the peaceful. Whenever the pressure of our complex city life thins my blood and benumbs my brain, I seek relief in the trail. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Okay, what's on your witch Witch list? Witch- Did you call it a witch list? <laughs> what? My wife has a witch list. I don't even know how to take that. <laughs> um, and then for, yeah, for our daughter, hiking pants that look like jeans would be awesome. <laughs> yes. Now there's a an idea that someone should pursue. Yes, hiking pants that have all the performance of hiking pants but appear <laughs> like jeans. This rain gear that had a label on it that said that it was waterproof breathable. You... <laughs> Say that again. What the flavorable?